Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what's going around you, and that means a lot these days. So many things are bubbling around us, so much for us to uh, figure out how to thrive and how to deal with it as we go through life. For a while, we've been talking about some of these effects from this COVID pandemic and all of the other pieces that are in upheaval right now. But I thought it might be useful to step back a little bit and let's talk a little bit about some foundation fundamental pieces. So I thought I would go for the next few weeks just talking about some strategies for building in your better ways of thriving. And there's no better place to start that conversation than around rest. Now, particularly at this time, I've been talking with lots of people who tell me that their sleep has been more disrupted than normal. And I think that has a lot to do with how people are dealing with stress and how they're dealing with all of the influx of information and all of the extra steps that are necessary you know, to live out life. And so it becomes much more important for us to be taking care of the basic fundamentals during these days to make sure that we are at our best and best capable of dealing with that. I don't know if you've had the same experience as I have, but going out and doing anything takes so much extra thought and so much extra effort, even just running to the store. And so that means that we have to be kind of at the best of our game, at the top of our game. And here we are in the midst of all of this bad news. So I thought it might be useful just to step back and let's talk a little bit about how to do the recharging that we all need to do, the rest that we all need to do. A lot of research over the years has shown the exact same thing over and over. We as adults need about seven to nine hours of rest per night. And if you're younger than adulthood, you need even more. Teenagers need a lot more than we had given credit for years, and yet they often suffer from the least amount of sleep. But adults do the same. We try to find shortcuts. So what we know is that when you have too little sleep, your body hasn't had a chance to recover. That's when your body does a lot of the recovery work. If you're sleeping too much, that doesn't mean you've got extra recovery. Sometimes that means that there's something else underlying. And so we're looking for that sweet spot between seven and nine hours, but not just seven or nine hours of just being in bed, but of getting some, some quality sleep. It's a both a quantity and a quality question. It's not enough to just be there for seven to nine hours, but you want to make sure you're getting the good rest during the seven or nine hours. It's kind of like, you know, if you're exercising, you can kind of go through the motions or you can really put your heart into it. You know, you can get it, give it your best effort. And so the time you exercise might not be any different, but one person may be making greater gains because of what they're putting into it. And in the case of sleep, it's less the effort and more the environment of how we move into that sleep. Some interesting statistics, 68% of people struggle to sleep at least one time per week. So at least one time per week, well over half of the population is having a hard time getting the sleep they need at least one night a week. 
I talk with some people that they tell me it's every night, and some people tell me it's well over half the week, but at least one time per week, well over half of us just struggle to get asleep. Now, the interesting statistic that is kind of worrisome is that 36.5% of the workers are getting less than the seven-hour minimum that gets us recharged, which means that over time, we continue to burn through our resources. If you kind of think of that battery, you know, you, you've got to recharge the battery at night. It's kind of like your, your cell phone. You've got to recharge and, and be ready for the next day to get back going. If you don't get a full charge, you're not able to go to, into the day fully charged. And you lag along the whole day. Part of what that means is that we have a lot of people who are moving around doing the work of the world who are doing it without the necessary sleep. Well over a third of the people are doing it without the necessary rest, which means that we have distracted drivers and distracted professionals and distracted people on the job who are distracted because they haven't had the chance to recharge. A little more than that number are using over-the-counter sleep aids during the week. 41% of people report that sometime during the week, they're using over-the-counter sleep aids, something to help them fall asleep, all indicative of the fact that they're not getting the sleep they need. If you're getting the rest you need, you don't go looking for something to help you with that. So I thought it might be useful for us to think through some better ways of getting that rest. And I want to suggest five different strategies for that. And here's why this is so important. Sleep is not just, are you going to feel refreshed the next day and are you going to be able to go through your day? But sleep impacts our overall health. If you don't get enough sleep, there are some substantial risk factors that rise. Four major risk factors, just four major health factors increase for the simple reason of not getting that seven hours of rest your chance of obesity, your chance of heart disease, of high blood pressure and diabetes are all elevated because of that. In fact, we have a strong correlation between those four issues and people not getting that minimum amount of sleep necessary. There's a real impact on your health, on your life, by not getting the rest you think you need. One of the things that I think we misfactor into our life is the fact that when we don't get the a right amount of rest, we're basically docking the end of our life, right? We, we're staying up now thinking, oh, we're just getting more of the day. And in reality, we may be taking it off of the end of our life, of shortening our own life. Not only that, but creating a lot of other issues in the way. So how can we make a shift Now, the other piece that we need to factor in is the psychological impact of not having enough rest. And for a lot of people, the psychological impact is just as much the anxiety level of people who aren't rested is much higher. The problem is when your anxiety level is higher, you have a hard time sleeping. And so it becomes kind of a cycle to it. The same with depression. People who aren't rested feel more likely to have depression are more likely to have depression and feel depressed just because they're tired. And the problem is when they're tired and then they can't go to sleep and they're more tired and it begins to be a rough cycle to, to break through, free of. So let's go through those five strategies. The first one is so important for anything in life. 
and that is to have a consistent schedule. One clear thing about our human body is it's used to scheduling. We tend to eat meals at about the same time every day. We tend to have the same pattern of uh, how we work and what we do, about the same throughout each day. But then I notice that there are a lot of people who try to find their way around a schedule with sleep. So one night they'll go to bed early. The next night they'll go to bed kind of late. They get up at different times, go to bed at different times. And the body's not able to get into a rhythm. And our bodies are designed to have that rhythm. It's really not important whether you're an early bird or a night owl. What matters is that you're consistent with that. That you're consistent with your bedtime and with your awakening time. So one of the things that I uh, tend to do in my day is to figure out when I'm going to get up and simply count back. I know I at least need at least seven hours, so I'm trying for an eight-hour episode between when I go to bed and when I have to get up, and it's a simple mathematical piece. If I know I have to be up at six, which is what time I get up to do my writing, then I need to be thinking about bedtime around 10, just by math. Sometime between 10 and 11, I try to get myself into bed. So I do a count back. My suggestion is if your life has that kind of a schedule, which, by the way, has been one of the side effects of pandemic is a lot of people are off their normal schedule. And I would just say as a side note, having schedules helps us to get through life and get through difficult times just because we stay on a schedule and stay on track. And it certainly impacts our sleep. So the first tip is to have a consistent schedule you try to live by for when you're going to sleep and when you're getting up, and that schedule include at least seven hours. The magic number tends to be about eight hours to head for because that's an average between what people need. So aim for that seven to nine hour block and make sure you work from a kind of a reverse engineering, trying to get to the place where you've had enough rest by the time it's time to get up. The second one is to look at your sleeping environment. This is one I think we tend to underestimate. But research shows that there are three things that help our sleep environment, our bedroom setting, that it's dark, it's cool, and it's quiet. Those three elements. We have a guest room that's in our basement, so it's pretty dark. And one point we had a guest staying with us who was with us long enough to track his sleep. And he said that his sleep got a lot better. The quality of his sleep went up when he was in that room because it was so dark. There's almost no light coming into that room, which is different than some people who have lots of, of lights in their room. And it may come from windows that are leaking light through drapes, or it may come uh, from uh, computers or other uh, gadgets in the bedroom that tend to put off a little light on those extra little lights. So make sure you try to darken your room however you can. Some people resort to having uh, eye shades on uh, so they can block out the light, but that tends to help because our body is regulated much more than we have realized in the past by the signs of the world, of nature, that tell us it's time to sleep. Our ancient ancestors would have been going to bed when it was too dark to do anything else and getting up when it's too light to sleep. And our body is made for that, of waking up as the light comes in and going to sleep as the light goes out. The problem is 
we tend to have lots of light around now that we have artificial ways of lighting. So to make sure that we have um, a darker place is great. The other is cool, though. And cool means that in the winter, maybe we just let the temperature drop naturally a few degrees. In the summer, we might even sacrifice and have the air conditioning on a little longer to keep it cooler. But the cooler your room, the better you sleep to a point. We tend to find that uh, most people have their temperatures a couple of degrees higher than is optimal for sleeping, for waking comfort. So remember to let yourself uh, into a cooler environment for better sleep. And the third thing, quiet. Now that can be a tough one too. It may require earplugs. It may require white noise that gives you a consistent background. At some point, your brain listening for the warning signs out there for the creaks and groans and anything else that may be a warning to our ancient ancestors now puts us on alert. And so to find a way of adding that in. So white noise is just basically a way to, to quiet those other noises and your brain can get used to the consistent noise. So if you live in a, in a very noisy place, to use white noise as a way of disguising that is helpful for your brain to be able to stop hearing the um, unknown noises and get used to the known noise, the consistent noise. So remember your sleeping environment. Keep it cool, keep it dark, and keep it quiet. The third one is sleep prep, how you get ready to go to bed. There are a couple of things that are useful. One is I've noticed that in these days, how many people stay on media right up until bedtime? In fact, it's always been a curiosity to me about the 11 o'clock news report that people are tuning in at 11 o'clock about bedtime to watch the most horrific scenes that the news media can cook up for us, which puts our mind on alert. The same thing when we're looking at the emails that we uh, might decide we have to think about before we get to work the next day. So my recommendation is that we kind of slow down our media consumption at least an hour before bed, if not a couple hours before bed. My phone goes on automatic um, screen difference. It takes out the blue light off the screen, uh, and that helps uh, if I've got to look at something on my phone for that to be uh, removing because blue light tells our brain to wake up. It's basically saying it's morning. And so to be getting that confusing message, our brain begins to be more alert when we're exposing that. And so many times when people are in bed looking at their uh, tablets or phones, they're getting a good dose of the blue light that is then telling their brain, just as they're trying to go to sleep, that it's actually time to wake up. Or they're reading stories that get them concerned. Or they're reading media or watching media that get them concerned. Remember that your brain is not real good at telling the difference deep down in your brain between what you're watching on TV and what's going on around you. So it puts us on alert. So media consumption is something we can attend to, make sure that we're not getting too much of that. The next piece is to find a calm environment. It's not a great time to have a deep discussion uh, that could lead to conflict with someone you love. That could be something that could be handled earlier in the day. To not be dealing with a book that upsets you or a movie that upsets you or a TV show that upsets you. To find a place of just calm. Maybe even to practice a little meditation shortly before bed. And then the other thing is to avoid stimulants that you might put in your system, like caffeine or sugar. Many times we put that in and it ramps us up. 
And so making sure that we have plenty of time for that to move through our system. For many people, for people who process caffeine very slowly, even something in the afternoon may have an effect later on. But for most people, by dinner time, the caffeine is going to affect sleep. The other thing to be aware of is if you're thinking that maybe that alcohol is helping you, what we know is that alcohol disrupts the deep sleep. So even though maybe that drink you think helps you drift off to sleep faster, it disturbs your sleep. So avoiding stimulants is one thing, but also knowing that other uh, different chemicals, other different substances you might put in your body may actually disrupt your sleep cycle, even if you think they're calming you down, that includes uh, different sleep remedies that actually disrupt your deep sleep. Number four, use relaxation techniques. One of my favorites is to do a body scan while I'm breathing. I do an in-breath, out-breath of a, a count of six. So when, this is a part that I learned uh, from when I was um, studying breathing some time ago, and it's continued to be consistent. A six count in and a six count out. So if I am breathing in through my nose to a count of six, and then exhaling, breathing out, or a count of six, that's a very calming rhythm. And at the same time, I begin to scan my body. I start with the tips of my toes, and I start just scanning and noticing where there's tension in my body. And if I, I find tension there, I just flex that muscle and then relax it. So if my legs are tense, I flex them, meaning I tighten the muscles, and then I relax the muscles. And I work from my toes to my head, from my fingertips to my head. And then I start again. The interesting thing is, is I'm counting the breaths and scanning my body. Typically, I don't know how far I get, but not very far before I fall asleep because I'm relaxing my body and I'm also distracting myself from whatever thoughts are lingering from the day. Also, when you're breathing deeply into your belly, through your nose, you're giving a natural sign to your brain that it's okay to, to shut down, to take a rest. So find the technique that works for you. Some people find that a guided meditation on their phone does wonders for them. Other people listen to bedtime stories. That's become a popular thing. Some people use binaural music, sleep music. You can look that up, binaural sleep music, as a way of bringing you into a different brain wave situation. But find some technique to relax. The biggest thing about those techniques is they allow you to bring your body to a relaxed state while you're no longer thinking about the day you've prepared and made a switch. Those are the four ways to make sure that you're resting. The fifth one is a little bit different. So let's say you're doing all these things. Let's say you have committed to a schedule and you're staying with that schedule. You're working on your sleeping environment. It's cool. It's dark. It's quiet. You're making sure you're, you're prepping for sleep by watching and limiting your media by working on finding some level of calm in your environment, by avoiding sugar and caffeine. You found a great relaxation technique. You're doing all that, and still you find yourself struggling with sleep. That's a good time to make sure there's not some underlying issue. Depression, for instance, can either cause us to sleep too much or too little. So if you find yourself struggling with that, that may be something to look at, as is true with anxiety. 
if you have clinical anxiety, that can keep you from getting a good night's sleep. And it's important to attend to that and make sure that that's not an issue. And the other thing to look for is other health issues. You may have some issues, from, some hormonal issues that are affecting your body or health issues that are keeping you up. So the fifth thing is that if you truly know that you have covered numbers one, two, three, and four, that you then go and find professional help to pinpoint what's going on, to find a better way through that, to make sure that you're getting the rest you want. When we're not rested, it's going to be a lot more of a struggle to thrive during the day because we just don't have the resources there. So make sure you're attending to that, that you have put a priority on making sure that your body is rested so you can thrive. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.